0: For 12 years in a row, ranking Arizona's number one most trusted referral network, rosyonthehouse.com. And we're privileged and happy to have you. And over three decades of Rosie on the House.
1: Good morning, y'all. On an Arizona beautiful Saturday morning. Hardly gets any nicer than this. Absolutely gorgeous out there. So we're here at my house today, broadcasting into your house. For the purpose of answering any question you might have about your house, home, castle, or cabin. If you're contemplating a remodeling project or a home repair project or a maintenance project, give us a call. Let us know what it is you're trying to tackle, where you are that you're trying to tackle it. And we'll do anything we can in our building and remodeling experience uh, to help guide you along in that particular project. I, I, I almost drove off the road yesterday listening to our flagship station ktar on the news yesterday afternoon where the rl brown housing reports came out for the state of arizona and the average price home for the phoenix metro area three hundred
2: and forty (laughs) thousand dollars wowza
1: And and so what do you do with that, right? I mean, holy cow, man! Does that does that, and with with almost a twenty percent appreciation in the last fourteen months?
2: So if you sell, can't afford to be careful. Yeah, you have to go (laughs) somewhere else. Right. I
1: I do not remember who I was having the conversation with, but it was someone who was so desperate to buy, they literally started knocking on doors. Through a neighborhood until they found someone that said they would sell. They sold the house to this woman going door to door knocking. They moved in, and within a week, that ex homeowner was knocking on her door, asking her, Will you sell me the house (laughs) back? Because he could not find any place. (laughs) He couldn't find a place to live.
0: Yeah. Oh so
1: we're kind of at that pace right now, which you ought to drive up your appreciation for what you have as a homeowner. Uh, This is truly a quickly appreciating asset that you are going to want to take good care of. So let's not let one little deferred project lead to a second deferred project that leads to a third deferred project. If, If your home is appreciating at double-digit rate, let's all come together and agree. Let's take care of it because that is a truly valuable asset as you continue down the road of life. And so that report, like I say, almost had me drive off the road yesterday. I was blown away. But one of the topics we wanted to talk about that we have published in our weekly newsletter this week is... Some of the things Jennifer and I and Romy all found at the Kitchen and Bath International show that was on the topic of sustainability. And boy, when you, when you touch on that topic, uh, you know, you, you start thinking about saving electricity and saving water. But I mean, it's so much bigger than that. Uh, true sustainable focus Is going to focus on what building materials you're using and even to the point of how local is that material how much energy was required to get that building product to your building site and you had a perfect example of this home in casa grande oh this was something that was in the dispatch last
0: week and It was designed by architect Michael Sullivan. It's one of five known remaining stone uh, buildings that he designed. And the masons that built this, uh, one of these structures, it was for a women's club. And the women in the 1912, 1915, you know, the, the early 1920s, they were actually walking to the riverbed and hand-carrying the stones back to the masons who were setting the, these stones in real time, building their wo- the women's club. And that one uh, is still active today. But Sullivan was a Canadian uh, that was born in 1854 and arrived in Casagrande around 1916. Um, and he's actually, you can see one of his buildings today. It, he designed it, the Matthew Juan monument in veterans park that's in Sacaton, and uh he was the first arizona that that died in world war one so they've got a, a mor- memorial for him and uh sullivan was the the designer of that monument well that's so kind a, of a neat story. that's a
1: perfect example of sustainable building yeah, and you can't it's, using it's against, local resources now, that are it's still against,
0: standing a hundred plus years later. Now it's
1: against the law today. You can't go down to the river bottom and harvest <laughs> rocks to build your house with. But that is sustainable building.
2: We we kind of have a similar situation in our own home. A gentleman built our home and our neighbors back in the what do you think? Sixties. Yeah. And the fireplaces are all done with beautiful kind of beautiful rock that I'm sure was just harvested from well, around the it area. It was
1: out in the middle of nowhere yeah, at the time. Uh, yeah. I've been told,
0: and I think it's pretty true if you look close enough, all of those stones came from Squaw Peak when they carved the 51 through. If you look at the stone on that fireplace and you go look at the stone patterns on that pass between 32nd Street and Northern, I...
1: I, bl- I think it's true.
2: <laughs> well, that makes it even more special. We just don't tell anybody; they might come take it back. I don't
1: know. <laughs> we we bought it that way thirty years <laughs> yeah. thirty years ago.
0: Who would have thought road building would well, be no, sustainable? That, yeah, that, right. <laughs> the, the 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 landscape suppliers and builders were selling that. Like that's what they were doing with the dirt and the rock as they mined it for the road to come through. They repurposed it as uh, as building products as part of the
1: this, the repurposing of that material. That's a big part of the big topic of sustainability. How far are you traveling to harvest the material you're using to build the house? And one of the things we have to talk about is with the average price of a home being as big as it is right now, uh, what are we going to do about affordability? Uh, There's a big push right now uh, in the area of sustainability to have people really think through their space requirements. And possibly, seriously consider downsizing, building smaller, more space-efficient. Uh, you know, there's no more, there's nothing more inefficient than a hall. It's dead space. It does nothing. So, eliminating halls, uh, it uh, gains you some square footage in your home. And then we build it with local materials. uh, And then we build it as efficiently and as airtight as possible. And we shade it as well as possible here on the desert floors of Arizona. And then what we have to do is we have to be careful about what we put inside that house because there are so many man-made products now that are using, I mean, we all remember the scare with the with the uh, flooring from China a couple years ago uh, that was off-gassing dangerous gases into a home. And you put that into a well-built home that's sealed up pretty tight. And pretty soon your indoor air quality is worse off than anything you breathe on the outside in air pollution. So you've got to be really careful about that as well. But downsizing, uh, being careful about the material you select, what it can off-gas. Uh, I, I, we came across a new material in researching today's topic that I had never even heard of, marmolium. One more time? Marmolium. Marmolium. It is a flooring type that is more organic than linoleum and actually is supposed to be more durable and last longer and much more sustainable and i had never even heard of it that's one of the reasons i love being involved in the program is it forces you to continue researching what's out there how thick of a
0: flooring product is this like like it uh, it appears like linoleum it appears to be little flat vinyl sheet Mm
1: -hmm. yeah Um,
0: your microphone's on there
2: you go okay um we spoke with Mitch Taylor at Brand Flooring, you know, because yeah. you, when you hear VOCs, you can start to get it really concerned, and that's volatile organic compounds. But, you know, the floorings that you choose should be uh, Green Guard or FloorScore rated, and you can find out how much is in this product you're buying. So you don't have to buy something that's full of chemicals, and they're rated now so you can tell what's in there.
1: Pretty valuable considerations to take. Uh, particularly if, if you may be prone to sensitivities in that regard. We've actually been retained on a couple occasions over the last 30 years to put homes up that were completely organic and didn't off gas anything uh, because of the occupant of the home sensitivity to those particular gases. And, uh, it's it's like have it's like living in in a, a virtually a sterile room if if you want it to be it can be downright cleaned to that degree so sustainability and how it might impact you leads me to a conversation that almost bordered on being an argument but I want it I'll tell you about it when we get back right after this short break almost an argument.
0: one That's one triple eight rosie for you. If you'd like to join the conversation, text questions, four one one nine two three, or you can email info at rosieonthehouse.com. And I want to share something that um, I heard somebody else say about the most sustainable home uh, that's out there, but you had something, you had a story.
1: Well, I actually had two conversations this week, um, One, uh, a gentleman wanted to know what the highest rate of return he could get on any one particular building improvement. And he had one in his mind that he had all but made up his mind that was the way he was going to go. And I was able to talk to him about what size investment that was going to be and what he really expected to get out of that. Um, I think, I think... uh, He's, he's still processing the information, but I, I think I saved him somewhere around $60,000. The second conversation was on the topic. Now that we're touching three to three digits on the uh, outdoor thermometer, I'm, we're already starting to get questions again about supercooling. How, how can I promote this practice? of hogging electricity for the sake of being super comfortable in the middle of the desert, in the middle of the summer, and keep encouraging people to suck the juice right out of the grid system. And I'm telling you, it is the most sustainable green technology that there is. Power companies... (laughs) Uh, Texas learned something about this in the last couple months. Power companies have to build power generating plants based on worst case scenarios. What is the highest peak demand we're ever going to hit in Arizona? That's the middle of the afternoon on a July or August day when the temperatures are touching or breaking 110 degrees and everybody's asking for power at that particular point the grid system is flowing near full capacity she's fired up man they've got the throttle down and the clutches out baby she's just running full speed ahead and they're sharing between their multiple grid sharing networks just to make sure everybody's got what they need and at that point my house and any of you that are super cooling don't need one amp because your house is asleep. So you are contributing to the utilities reduced need of having to build that next power plant. Now what could be more green than that? If we could put off building a power plant for an entire generation that's a pretty green technology that's a pretty sustainable technology so i reached out to the grandfather of supercooling last night he said i reached out to him very late i think it was 7:15 um and then you know what time he responded i got a text at 3:45 this morning <laughs> <laughs> yay 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 you do go to bed early you do get up early but i was talking to steve um with the with the home energy management computer and he is so busy marrying his system to the solar industry and the demand that has created uh he says Rosie there's very very little work I can take right now we are completely buried I think the onus then falls on no, no one else but Bruce Stumbo he now has to become the next energy management computer installer uh-huh. Uh-huh. For, the, for the good of mankind.
0: He's just finding this out, right? He,
1: yeah, he is okay. just now finding this out. He, <laughs> loves, he loves it when I pop these surprises on him. But one of the most sustainable things you can do, and, and the energy industry globally is going this way. They are going to have you. They're going to encourage you. They are going to incent you to not ask for power when everybody else is asking for power. That's the advantage of the time of use plans these utility companies are coming up with. They're encouraging you. Hey, buy power. We're making power. And once we make it, somebody's got to use it but let's just use it off peak. Let's lower the peak and fill the trough of the wave and become a more consistent across-the-clock consumer. It'll make it much more efficient for us to produce that way. Uh, I read a detailed article about how close Texas came in this last storm to being completely shut down. And once you shut down one power generating plant, it triggers other associated plants to trigger off. And once you've got three or four or five generating plants triggered off, it's weeks before you can get them fired back up again. And I guess Texas was so desperate. That's why they started shutting entire grid sections down was to keep. From going to a total blackout. So, this time of use consumption that we have labeled super cooling and that we have been promoting for 20 years really is one of the most sustainable things you can do. And there are advantages. You're gonna save money on your electric bill, you're gonna turn your thermostat down, you're gonna live more comfortably. The indoor air quality is going to be better filtered. So I won the argument. They conceded and they ordered an energy management computer.
0: Even in my last monthly newsletter from APS, it was encouraging me to super cool now.
1: sounds good perfect music for covering Arizona windows down in your Sanderson Ford if you're contemplating or considering a new vehicle purchase or a great used vehicle purchase I couldn't encourage you more to get over to Sanderson Ford in Glendale 51st Avenue, just south of Glendale, right at Maryland. Uh, It's 64 acres. It's the number one award-winning Ford dealership in America. It's been family-owned and operated since the day it opened over 60 years ago. I think they're celebrating 65 years this year. You'll be treated like the family you will become. They They don't sell you cars. They adopt you, and you become a lifelong customer multi-generational my parents bought at sanderson ford i buy at sanderson ford my children buy at sanderson ford my nieces and my nephews buy at sanderson ford and for good reason you call them it's no hassle you tell them what you want they bring the vehicle out all shined up cleaned for you it's so simple you have bought cars other places, and you know the miserable experience that can be. Give yourself, do yourself a huge favor and get over to Sanderson Ford. I saw my first Bronco sport out on the road just this past week. First one. What color? It was red. Wow. I haven't seen that And it was Sanderson Ford plated. Somebody picked their vehicle up at Sanderson Ford the sporty little new Bronco that's out now. You are car shopping. You owe it yourself the favor of shopping at Sanderson Ford, either at the dealership or on the website, sandersonford.com.
0: Are on the house hour. here at nine o'clock talking about things on your home and things that we learned from the KBiz show on sustainability. And there was an interesting um, perspective that I heard in one of the uh, expos years and years ago when this started to become uh, a much more focus of the industry. And there's a guy that made the observation you know, the most sustainable home is the one you're living in right now kind of ties back to what you are saying about you know what is the cost to bring those materials to your home is like well if it's already there and it's already built it's already done you know removing material if it's not recyclable just goes to the landfill and bringing in the new material you know you've got a you you're using a new yeah. resources a lot of it's transportation costs a lot to, cost. lot
1: to think about
0: and so when it comes to the point where you have lived past the life of the material, your home needs up uh, improvements, or you're building your home, there's the first cost versus, versus the life cycle cost. And that's where I constantly come back to you know, various types of masonry products. You know, your first cost is more than a wood frame building. Your life cycle cost, you know, is quadruple at least <laughs> what you're going to get on a, on a wood frame. And why I don't get, uh, you know, why builders, you know, they try and market and sell sustainable and green ratings and all this stuff, but are still building out of wood. I'm like, there's so many things you could do that you wouldn't have to do if you just built masonry to get the same certifications. It's just mind-blowing that it's... It's not used. The masonry is
1: not used more. I, I haven't been able to figure that one out. Well, I will tell you this. You're going to see a resurgence in it. That's, I, I, don't, I don't prophesy very much. <laughs> but with the price of lumber, <laughs> I can tell you, you are going to see a resurgence in masonry construction. And you know what the problem with that is? We've lost all our masons. <laughs> we, we, I mean, I mean, I, I'm, I, I mean, I've used the same mason for forty years. I've almost got to go out there and hold him up while he's laying the block.
0: You know, I got to thinking about it. The Flintstones were right all along. Yes, think yeah. about that.
1: Can can you lay block if you need a walker? <laughs> I, I we're, guess we're gonna find out we are gonna find out
0: maybe not past your waist (laughs) maybe only the second and third course oh man so you're saying the first cost of it masonry is catching is oh is going to be the close to the first cost of wood i have to tell
1: you i have i i have not done a detailed breakdown but when lumber goes up 300 percent in a year (laughs) um You're going to see a resurgence in masonry, I'll tell you. And when in Jennifer and I's recent road trip that we took to Boise and Portland and Tahoe, uh, I mean, we saw a train headed this way out of Oregon. The train was over a mile long, and every single car was open storage, two bunks high of nothing but lumber. It almost, I almost pulled off side the road and started crying. It was absolutely unbelievable the amount of board footage traveling down that railroad track. It was mind boggling. And that was just one train. <laughs> And at the point of a teardown, what do you do with that lumber? You know,
0: what, That's what, what's that going to last 40, 50 years? And you're tearing it down. Yeah, you could tear down a two hundred year old masonry building, recrush the, <laughs> the the stone, and use it as aggregate for the base of the next one. You can repurpose that. There's not a lot of repurpose use for treated lumber. Well, so I just I don't get it.
1: If the masonry short sighted, I think the masonry makes such a great exterior wall product and. You know, we always talk about sustainable. We talk about energy efficient. We talk about quality of life. We want you to weigh in on all those aspects. And masonry wins virtually on every single one of those issues. Uh, It's going to be longer lasting. It's going to be much less prone to fire or termite damage. It's going to be much less subject to needing to constantly be caulked and painted. I mean if you if you play your cards right, you go with a masonry that's finished surface on the outside, finished surface on the inside, foam filled in the middle, like the integral block system. Now you've got to stop and consider okay, how good a window do I put in these units? How good a door do I put in this wall system? How much attic insulation Or ventilation do i or don't i need and you end up with a a pella fiberglass window masonry walls metal roofs and from the minute you move in that house every weekend you've got for the rest of your life can be spent fishing now you're talking and not fixing. And not fixing. Nah, that's talking. right, that's right. Hiking and not laboring over some structure that needs to constantly be caulked, patched, repaired, painted. <gasps> so that's that's my sermon on exterior wall systems. Just should be masonry. And that envelope, you need to weigh it heavily as to what you want out of your life living inside that home. It's quiet, it's clean, it's efficient, it's safe, and it will break a termite's tooth. (laughs) And there's a lot of different types of
0: masonry finishes. You know, you've got your old red brick uh, that a lot of the old um gosh i just went blank uh arcadia yeah but i was trying to think of the developer's name um long john f long yeah a lot of the the red brick uh you've got the slump that i still think you know that was very popular in 70s and 80s but that i still think that ranch style look is as better looking than the uh yeah the the tile roof subdivisions that from california that have made their way over here um you were talked about an exterior finish the split exterior a split face block yeah uh color coded and you can do you don't have to do all one i've seen stuff where they've done you know the the first couple feet the skirt of the home the split and then they've gone to a smooth finish i've seen them where they've actually designed uh patterns into it where, where you know, there's multiple levels and layers. So there's a lot of architectural things you can do. It's not just, you know, your 8, 8 16 CMU. The diamond polish interior, um, you know, there, there are so many things you can do. And done right, like Dad was saying, if it's colored and you can the, – the color pigment is added into the block. Forever. Uh, it's your exterior finish and your interior, interior finish so you're not furring out the inside of the walls you're not having to add drywall. Um, you know, it takes a little bit of additional planning because your electricals run on the inside before it's foam-filled. Um, your interior walls that, you know, and where your plumbing comes in, You know, it, it takes the proper thought process and layout. Um, but I also, in my perfect home that uh, one day would love to build, not done finishing and designing, I'd like to feature an accident rammed earth. Yeah. Sure, absolutely. And I had asked that once at a concrete uh, concrete world, why is it rammed earth more when we're talking sustainability And the guy said, well, if you're trying to stay under a certain certification and there's so many different yes, you all- know it, it's hard to remember them all and dedicate them to memory. but most soil types on the property you're building in, aren't conducive for rammed earth. So the amount of supplemental material Area that you got you have to bring in uh, you know is is what skews that rating or if it is the right soil if you're not putting a basement in the amount of destruction of soil <laughs> you have to do from around the rest of the property to make enough to build your walls uh, you know like I said you almost have to do it with a basement and use that dirt to repurpose as your rammed earth walls and uh, so it but i still think it's a it's such a great look
1: well it is and and in the right area uh i mean there's a there's a home mr allen built in the early 30s right down by encanto park that has a basement and when they dug the basement they built the adobe block that ended up building the house and it's a it's a big house it's a two-story home right there next to encanto it's it's a gorgeous home and it was built in the 20s and baby she's still standing today untouched they, they haven't had to do hardly anything to that house in a hundred years
0: that can make a good load bearing wall too correct?
1: absolutely really absolutely yeah
0: oh yeah no it's, your, it's a structural system um and for the design you had mentioned earlier hallways being a waste of space and as i'm working through this perfect home i keep coming back to a circular floor plan <laughs> your kitchen living room in the middle and then your bedrooms and other dens and every you know all your other rooms are on the outskirts, so there is no hallway. And from the center point of the kitchen, which is usually the center point of your home anyway, that's right, are the most used. It's right in the middle, so it's the same walking distance from every room of the home back to the kitchen living room. You know, it's just how to make that look. Like you're not uh, not living in an egg. You know, the, the accents on the exterior have to be uh, <laughs> You
2: gotta work on that
1: very, very well designed. Oh. So that's our theory of exterior wall systems, systems are for a sustainable home. When we get back, I wanna talk just a little bit about window particulars. Mm-hmm. Here at my house, Rosie's house. But we're here for your sake and for your house. If you'd like to give us a ring, it's one 767 4348 And we've talked our way through the sustainability of materials and what we deem as the most efficient exterior wall building product you can have. Now that we've got the wall built, we got to take a look at the wall's weak points. If that exterior wall is considered your envelope and you're going to try and live in this envelope as comfortable as possible, no matter what's going on outside the envelope, you've got to take a look at the weak points of your envelope. And the absolute weakest point of any building envelope In the desert is your windows. And very simply, we rate a building material's ability to be energy efficient by kind of an antiquated method. We don't really use it anymore, but I'm going to use it for the sake of this conversation. It's called the R value. And think of the R as standing to resistance. It stands for resistance. What is that material's ability to resist the transfer of temperature? So if you think of something like a car radiator made out of aluminum, it has a very, very, very low R rating because you want it to transfer the heat. So is it ironic that we build window frames out of something that has such a low R rating? And we installed aluminum windows in Arizona almost exclusively through the 50s, 60s, and 70s. The only exception was a steel window that came out of Torrance, California that became very popular because they were so dang durable and bomb-proof. But they were so horribly energy inefficient, we should have been spanked forever putting those in and we put in thousands of them. all the builders in arizona did so in this envelope weak link situation take a good look at your windows and you want the window material to have as high a resistance to heat transference as possible a single pane of glass in an aluminum frame the window we installed all through the 60s and halfway through the 70s, has an R rating of one. And we were putting that inside of a wall that was rated roughly at about anywhere between an R20 and an R30. So you can see why they're the weak link. They're a fraction, the efficiency of the wall system itself. Now, what's important in window selection is if you increase the R value, of that window on the low end of the scale. If you go from R1 to R2, it doesn't sound like much, but you have exponentially improved your energy efficiency. And we have windows now that can approach R4, 5, and 6. And that is significant, significant to the point that if your envelope averaged in R10, it would be more efficient, and more sustainable than these homes we're building with our 40 and 50 exterior walls, our 40 or 50 attics, and we're still slapping in R two windows. That is a horrible disgrace to the concept of sustainability, your quality of life, energy efficiency, and comfort. So on windows, you want dual pane glass minimum no reason to go triple glaze unless you're fighting sound and you're trying to get a quieter home. You want the airspace in between both pieces of glass to be no less than five-eighths of an inch. You want the exterior of the window frame to be some maintenance-free product like fiberglass or aluminum. And you wrap that onto a wood interior frame. That is the window of choice to go into the exterior wall of choice. And we didn't even get to talking about what's above your head in the attic, which almost everybody gets wrong. So we'll have to cover that on another day.
0: Going into 10 o'clock hour, it's our open home hour, open to you, the Arizona Homeowners. Anything you want to talk about your home, castle, or cabin. 188-767. 4348. That's one triple eight. rosie for you. Text questions can be sent to 411-923. Or you can email us info at com. We'll also have our weekly to-do. Cover the most popular article at rosieonthehouse.com this week. Which you know is, is oftentimes <laughs> um, isn't always local. A lot of times those most popular ones, uh, you know, Google will yes. catch them in high. And you can tell that it's not really a, a local based on seasonal. Uh, it may have something to do with what's going on around other parts of the country. So we'll cover that. And take your calls. one 888